0: Time for Coffee with the Chicken Ladies, a podcast for people who love chickens.
1: Hey, everybody, and welcome. It's Christy and Holly from Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. We're here, and this is episode number 19 of our podcast where we talk about everything chicken, family, fun, and more chickens. More chickens. We drink a ton of coffee. I'm talking a ton but most importantly we hug our chickens every day every day and kiss them too don't forget we brew coffee from a little coffee house here in bel-air maryland coffee coffee Holly Ann, what kind of coffee are we brewing today i believe this is house blend house blend yeah it's so good and yummy if you are a fan of delicious coffee homemade scones cookies and everything else you can think of and you're local Go ahead over to Coffee Coffee. You will not be disappointed. Okay. How are you doing? I'm okay. Our listeners are going to be hearing this episode two weeks from now. So this will be an ancient history. But it's been a crazy weekend. Oh, my God. On all ends. Really. And one of the biggest things was we lost power yesterday. Not fun. No. So Pete and I keep these. They're almost like battery packs. It was enough to keep the heat light on our brooder for about an hour. Those winds and were crazy. Windy. crazy. crazy. It mm-hmm. flickered multiple times here. Right. And I was like, oh, no, please don't let us lose it, too. Right. But, yeah, it was a crazy, crazy windy day. It was. And so, again, we have that those awesome battery packs, and that kept the heat lamp running for about an hour, and the power came back on. Perfect. And then it went back out an hour later. Yeah, for a few hours. Yes. And so we had to scramble and pack up the chicks and get the car super hot, and we took them over to my mom's. You know, that is a very good tip, which Mm -hmm. I did not think about until you said to me, Pete's sitting in the car with the chicks. Right. Is, say that happens to you, we know this from never put your dog in a car. Right. The car is a lot warmer. Well, I think it would be. Although he was measuring the temperature and it didn't get above eighty five in the car, obviously he did not have the heat of a one hundred blasting out of the. I don't think his car will go that high. (laughs) You could just, like, turn the car on for a little while and blast the hot air. Well, it was enough for us to get the babies over to my mom's. We took a tub, so... Yeah. And get the heat lamp on them. And they were fine. They They wanted to go to grandma's house. They wanted to go to grandma's. They had a good time. They started dust bathing and kicking sawdust all over her living room. It kind (laughs) of messed up our whole routine. I think it's, like, one of the first Fridays that we haven't recorded... Right. ...in months. Yeah, and that was why, because no power and chicks. I was like, oh, my God. So, yeah... Okay. Ancient history now, but at the time it was we were <laughs> wow. That was very stressful. I think in one of our fourteen conversations the day before, <laughs> yeah, I even mentioned. Remember in the morning I was like, we always check the brooder light first right. thing. Yes. We both do it, yeah. We both – I think we talked about that the day before. Probably. I get out of bed. I open the door. I look down. Oh, the red light's on. (laughs) Yeah. So just a side note, if you live someplace like I do that's heavily wooded and the power blinks a lot – Yeah. I mean, it's usually much more of a winter and late summer problem. We did not expect it in the spring. And the answer here is that Pete just ordered like a triple powered solar battery pack for us. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're going to have chicks, you got to have some way to supplement that heat, especially chicks that are just a few weeks old. Right. They're not ready for coldness at all. Absolutely not. So, yeah, we had the same winds. It was horrible. but It was warm, but just super, super Super windy. windy. Yeah, exactly. It was one of those days. I'm going to take just a minute to tell everybody about Iowa Blue Farm. It's a woman-owned, family-run, all-natural chicken tree company in the Midwest. And we love supporting those woman-owned businesses. We do. We're that business ourselves. They make 100% all-American, oven-dried black soldier fly grubs for all kinds of poultry. Chickens. Turkeys. turkeys ducks. Peacocks, peacocks. Pheasants. Quail. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Any kind of poultry need, they run for that blue bag. It's a treat that you can feel great about because something we learned about from Fiona. Mm-hmm. They are fed on no animal byproducts whatsoever. Absolutely, and they're grown right here in the U.S. And if you're in the U.K., this is one of the very few things that you could feed your <laughs> that chickens. That was a fascinating little fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, so top quality. The other thing is we do have a code over there at Iowa Blue, and if you're listening to us and you want to try them, Go over to the website and you can put in under code coffee all caps 25 and you will get 25% off your first purchase site wide. It's a fantastic value. It's a really, really good deal. And if you want to go ahead and give them a try, go over to iowabluefarm.com and check them out. Once again, coffee all caps 25 to get 25% off. They are baked with love, shipped with care, and And shipping shipping is is always always free. free. So now we have to move on to our do 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 breed spotlight. <laughs> <laughs> Just when I think you can't come up with anything else, okay. I have to come up with a new one all the time. You got it. I mean, what would it be without a a new breed spotlight? I. Do not know what it would be. I mean, and we're doing a very kind of fancy breed. We are. One of the most recognizable chickens out there, in fact. And one of the most loved chickens out there. Yeah. Today, we are talking about the Polish chicken. Polish chicken. Yay! And they're so recognizable because they have that amazing, fantastic, fabulous crest. It's huge it's huge <laughs> <laughs> they're the type of chicken that everyone when you take a look at the chicken you're like whoa yeah. yeah they're so cool and the thing that they're known for is the crest right and they're also a very very old breed they're probably related they might even be the foundation stock for a lot of the other crested european breeds okay including the beautiful modeled Houdan. they're currently on a watch category at the livestock conservancy Yeah, on the poultry conservation list. They're in the watch category. They could go one way or the other, especially in light of the fact that they're doing another poultry census right now. Which is strange to me because I feel like this breed of chicken is popular. So it's entirely possible that they will move up into one of the other categories. Yeah. Then out of like a watch into a. Uh, Maybe recovering. Recovering. Like that. Exactly. So we'll have to see once the census comes in. Now, this next fact that Holly is gonna say actually blew my mind when I read it also and we were doing research. A lot of historians believe that the Polish chicken did not develop in Poland. What? Instead, it is widely believed that the Polish chicken originated in Spain. It doesn't speak Spanish. What is how it do doing you know? ever? In, starting in Spain. Whoa, 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 how do you know it doesn't speak Spanish? <laughs> I mean, come on. It's called the Polish Chicken. Right. Well, it gets better. So it originated in Spain and then was taken to the Netherlands. Some of the sources for that are the multiple oil paintings dating from the 1600s. And I love this. that have Polish chickens in them. And they are in Spain. I think all over Europe. All over Europe. And so all this leaves me is wanting a portrait of a Polish chicken to (laughs) hang above my fireplace. Which would be ridiculously awesome how happy when you come in the front door you see this portrait of a polish chicken life is good and you say where are the eyes <laughs> her, her poor life. little eyes are covered she needs a bang cut it's a little <laughs> she needs it's a, a bang little, trim little barrette <laughs> okay so the livestock conservancy notes that the name polish actually came from the feathered caps that polish soldiers okay, used to wear. in which we've looked up yeah it doesn't really remind me of the Polish chicken. I know, it's just a little... It's a like feather. A little, it's like a feather cockade, So it's kind so. of like, yeah, their hat, and then they had a feather hat yeah. mm-hmm. up, which would be, I guess, representative of a crest. I guess. So the American Poultry Association standard of perfection notes that Polish chickens were also known as crested Dutch. Okay. So we have a very well-traveled chicken. Okay, but it gets better. Oh, my God. So our old friend Charles Darwin... Yes. He further confused the matter by referring to all chickens with top knots as crested or Polish. Okay. So every single chicken who has a crest is basically a Polish chicken. Yeah. But they're a distinct breed. They really are a distinct breed. They are a distinct breed, but it's so funny to me, Mm -hmm. and I'm sure other people listening to this, Mm -hmm. when you hear Polish chicken... Yeah. You're expecting that we're going to be like, and this chicken started in Poland. Yeah, no. But it does not. And it's very interesting. And it's there's little windy roads that take you on when you learn about these chicken breeds and learn the history of it, which you never would have thought. Yeah, it is really interesting to me, too. They were accepted by the American Poultry Association back in 1874. Long time ago. Yeah, and they breed true. They're definitely a distinct genetic entity. And then different colors and varieties were accepted by the APA in succeeding years. Okay. Now, you wouldn't know this. Because you can't see it very easily. This, thi- this is one thing that I like about them. Yeah. So they have the V-shaped comb that shows up in so many of the early French breeds. One of which is the Creve Corps. Which we right. talk about a while yes. back with Jeanette Barringer from the Livestock Conservancy. That's right. You just can't easily see the little V-shaped comb under that amazing crest. That is a really cool – I mean, like, that is a distinct comb. It is. When you get the V-comb, you got the V-comb. <laughs> Yes, but it gets better. Some varieties of the crested Polish are bearded as well. Okay. You got a crest and a beard going on. You got a lot going on. A lot. Yes. I love these chickens. Oh, my goodness. They got like a little of everything for everybody. You know, like all the other breeds that we do, as soon as we do a breed spotlight and we learn all this stuff about them, we kind of want that chicken as well. Well, you start looking at them differently and you're like, oh, you I under, now I understand that. Yes, it's true. When You can put them sort of in a context and you can see a lot of things about them. One of the things about them is that they're a lot smaller in size like a Leghorn. Okay. And they come in a variety of color combinations that are just fabulous. The black-crested white. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. The white-crested black. All of them. They're all fabulous. White-crested blue. And they're also silver, golden, white, and buff-laced Polish. I, I think it kind of goes. Everybody loves the Polish chicken. Yeah, yeah. And they're well-known as an ornamental fowl, a good... A, a showbird. Bird. But here's the thing. They are excellent layers of I, lay eggs. When I looked that up too, I was like, 200 eggs a year? Yeah, they're really good layers. For a bird that is kind of known as, you know, like kind of a good family bird. Yeah, they're sweet and gentle. Or, or and ornamental, also ornamental show bird. Right. To lay you 200 eggs a year. Yeah, it's impressive. That is pretty impressive. They got, like, the best of all worlds. Well, they have white earlobes, so there may be some Mediterranean mixed in there, especially since they originated in Spain. Spain. Pearl so, earrings. Exactly. So you have your white earlobes. You have gray legs. Also very Mediterranean. Non-setters do not go broody. I got to back up. Okay. We're backing up. They got a crest. Yeah. A beard. Yeah. White earlobes, which is pearl earrings. Right. I mean, they are, like, decked out. Yeah, they're pretty fab. They really are fabulous. You know... I keep using that word, but they are. I have a word that's better than fantastic and fabulous. Uh, What is it? Fantabulous. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) It's both in one, and that is this chicken. I mean, honestly... Their personalities also are very good. Yeah, they're very nice. So they're great for your family. I mean, you've got a snazzy-looking chicken there. There's so much good about this bird. I can't believe I haven't paid that much attention to it up until now, because they're just kind of amazing little chickens. They really are. They really have two potential issues, and they are tied to the crest. Right. When the crest comes down, you got to check in there to make sure nothing's hiding bug-wise. In there. Right. Do a louse or mite check yeah. regularly. And also, you need to protect them from the elements because the ice and snow can get in that right. crop. The uh, other thing is, which is actually common sense, mm-hmm. is the crest itself can cover their eyes and they can't see. Right. So free-ranging has to only be supervised. And even then, I think you need to keep them very yeah. close by. Or... You know, just kind of keep it a little more trimmed. It won't be the traditional look. Yeah, clearly you can't trim a showbird's bangs. But if he's, you know, hanging out in your backyard, one of your pets, you obviously can do that. The crest can obscure vision and leaves them vulnerable to predator attack, but also bullying
0: from aggressive
1: flock mates. And that can make them nervous and easily startled. What again is that unfair skittish yeah. or flighty label. It's, it's like, because they can't see. It's not one of the stronger breeds that's gonna be at the top of the package. Yeah, they're very calm and gentle, very and, friendly. And this is where we go back to all the time designing your flock mm-hmm. to what fits for you. Absolutely. Personality wise for us is number one. Yeah, it definitely is. You want to make sure, because we've been down this road where you don't, and Uh, it's not fun. No, it's not. When the girls are, like, picking on each other. Right. So you have to kind of mesh your chickens all together. You want to kind of put all your easygoing breeds together. Yes. Because that way, they're more on an even ground. Right. You don't want to put, like, my Cuckoo Morans in with the Polish. No, I really wouldn't want any dominant personality breed in with the Polish, I don't think. They're so sweet and gentle. So they're not a bad breed to have around kids. No, it's great. It's a great family. You probably have to watch. Again, a little one running up behind them might startle them. Right. But they're generally really genial and easygoing. So this is one that we would say if you're a family and you want to have – a backyard chicken that's really part of your family mm-hmm. this would be a really good idea for yeah, you yeah. but it's going to take a little extra care grooming wise it's yes. not going to be a bird you're going to put out in a run and just be like in and out and kind of that's and it they're cold hardy in that they have all these extra feathers right but they don't have a huge body mass because they're no. more like traditional Mediterranean frame. Right. so you probably would want to watch them in the cold again protect them from getting right. ice and snow in that crest and getting wet exactly so, if you're interested in this, there are definitely groups. There are way more breeders that are more widely available at this point. Definitely. If you were interested in breeding them, I would suggest you go to the Livestock Conservancy and check out the Breeders Directory. Yeah, they've they, I believe that the Polish has become a lot more popular lately. Oh, yeah. And there's a lot of social media groups that you can join for this check-in. Yeah. Hatching eggs are also fairly plentiful. If you want to incubate some eggs or use a broody hen, you have that option as well. So, we're talking about the Polish chicken, mm-hmm. and we're on Instagram, and there's a fellow Instagram account that we them to mention because their chickens are so gorgeous, and they breed these Polish chickens, and they're in Pennsylvania, right? kind of close to us, exactly. probably within an hour or two, mm-hmm. and it's Crested Chicken. If you're interested in seeing these chickens, follow them on Instagram because yeah. their pictures are fabulous. Really, we love them, looking at them. At Crested underscore chicken, and they look like they primarily raise white-crested black They're fantastic. When they show pictures of them just like hatching and they have those crests like already. The babies. See like that photo there. The babies have the giant crest. Oh my god. They're the cutest. They're the cute like I cannot resist. This really is one of our favorite accounts. It really is. Fabulous. They are. So do yourself a favor, if you want to see like Polish chickens all the time, follow this account Mm -hmm. because it's really cool. I think we should move on. So what we're going to do now is bring in Fiona. She is, I like to call her, our superstar international correspondent. And we're going to have coffee. I
0: like that. Mm From
1: across the pond. What we're going to talk about today, we talked about last week about whether or not you should breed and the pros and cons of doing it different ways. And this week, we're going to talk about the selection of the cockerel and some important points in choosing a really good one. So here we go. Let's bring in Fiona. Hey, Fiona. Hi, how are you? Great. Doing, we're doing really well over here. It's cold today, but spring is coming, so we're happy. And we have chicks, so we're really happy. Chickies! I'm quite jealous. <laughs> <laughs> so we want to learn all about how to choose our
0: roosters. Yes, but it's cockerels in the UK. I know. <laughs> I just wanted to make you say it. <laughs> I think we decided I need to say cockerel. Yeah. Cockerel. Cockerel. Okay. <laughs> I will practice. I will practice. I'll get it right next time. Cockerel. That's the Baltimore way to say it. Cockerel. Yeah. You got it. perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get it right. Your thing is, you've, you've got me started saying rooster now. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, yes. Oh, no, yeah, no, yeah. no. It's fine. Don't Most worry. people
1: do shorten it to roo. I say roo. Roo. A lot. And because we're Baltimore, we don't say Roo, we say rue. Roo. Okay. Yeah, it's roo. A roo. So let's start with some of the main attributes of the Roo cockerel rooster that are going to, what, what he's going to bring to the mix and what he needs to bring to the mix to be a good choice.
0: Well, there's five main things that I'm actually looking for. So I'm looking for temperament, confirmation, interbreeding, fertility and size and that's really kind of in order of their importance so temperament is the biggest thing it's the most important thing to us he has to be nice he has to be calm and he's got to be good with the hens too Mm -hmm. i don't want a cockerel who's going to be chasing the hens and constantly forcing them to be trodden when they don't actually want to go through that process Mm -hmm. i want him to do his little dance make a little love get down tonight
1: Get down hey, tonight, baby.
0: yeah. Yeah. So that's really what we want. He has to be gentle.
1: Uh, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I just want to clarify. We're talking gentle with the hens and also humans, or is that?
0: Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So but bad. our cockerels, we hatch our cockerels, so they know from day one that we are actually higher in the hierarchy than they are. We've never had a problem with cockrels not being nice with us. That's awesome. Are these just your Orpingtons? Have you bred any of your other breeds? Well, we don't breed any of the others, but we do hatch them all. We never bring an adult bird or a live bird onto the property. Okay. That's part of our biosecurity structure okay. that we've got to make sure that the hens and the cock will stay as healthy as possible.
1: Sure, so right.
0: we only ever bring fertilized eggs onto the property or we use our own fertilized eggs and we basically hatch everything here. Okay,
1: that's awesome. That's yeah, it really beautiful. is. It makes perfect sense. So. After you select temperament, go again in the second-
0: Confirmation is the next one. So we want them for the Orpingtons because we're breeding Orpingtons to sell. They have to meet fairly well the breed standards. And actually there is an Orpington club in the UK and they publish breed standards. So the cockerels need to be broad. They need to be sturdy in stature. They have to have feathering to below the hock joint. They've got to have little wings. So if you ever see a, if you ever see a, an Orpington, they do look like they've got little dinosaur wings. It's really quite funny. They are so close to the T-rex. it's really quite terrifying. It is you know, it the is. little arms.
1: They do look so little wings and yeah. lots of feathers.
0: Yes, but very broad in the chest and very broad on the back as well. Okay. So they I always think of them almost like a football, almost spherical in shape, even though the breed Standards talks about being broad and wide. It's more really more like a football, Okay. To be quite frank.
1: That's yeah. a great visual to it think is, of, it, yeah. you know, to think of the body that way and yeah. how that they need to be. So the equivalent here is if, if you were breeding here, you would be using the American Poultry Association standards of perfection unless, as I told you in email, I really, maybe, I keep going back and forth, breed my Swedish flower rue, my Swedish flower yeah. apple, and there are no standards of perfection in the United States for Swedish flowers. Really? No, because they've not been admitted by the APA. Mm -hmm. Yes, because they're so new over here, basically, that there's not enough time to put them in there. I'm guessing at that point you either find a
0: club where they might have some idea of the standards of perfection. Well, where did they originate? Which country did they originate Mm -hmm. in? Is it it Sweden? mm -hmm. It may be worth looking at the Swedish site or if you've got any Swedish contacts on Instagram or Twitter.
1: Get in touch with them. They were a land race breed. So it's kind of been an anything goes Mm -hmm. approach. I'm just muddying the waters with that. I should probably.
0: Well, there's two ways to go. There will be a breed standard in Sweden. I can almost guarantee it. The country of origin nearly always has the basic breed standard. right? But you could also say, look at what people who are willing to buy them in the US are actually looking for. That's true. So
1: That's a very good point.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Thank you. No, that's helpful. It is. I mean, it's interesting in the UK when you talk about the buff Orpingtons, the buffs are actually becoming more lemon Orpingtons, I think, in a a lot of regards, but our buyers are very much looking for the very gingery Orpingtons. The classic buff. Yeah. Yeah. The
1: classic. Okay. Yeah. I mean, my two are kind of, I feel like they're more of that color too. They're not like the lightish. Yeah. Yeah, that is very important if you want to keep the breed standard at the highest level so that the breed continues its integrity throughout time. Right. Now our next thing is interbreeding.
0: We are very, very careful that we always hatch a new cockerel every year. So we buy in fertilized eggs from a different breeder. And what we normally do is we actually buy two sets of eggs from two separate breeders, just in case there's any issues that which we weren't aware of. And that then gives us a good choice and we'll hatch a number of cockerels. We will look for the best two from both sets. And then we will actually then test their fertility. And we will do that by separating each of the two cockerels into a separate Pen with a number of hens we will leave them for 10 days and that's to make sure that we're absolutely certain that any eggs produced are have been fertilized by that particular cockerel then we'll incubate the eggs for seven days and we'll look for any growth.
1: Okay. I can imagine that would be such a letdown to just jump in without testing the waters first. And then you have a cockerel that basically, you know,
0: not viable for whatever reason. Yeah, shooting blanks. So many people <laughs> do. But actually, what you find is a lot of breeders want to sell fertilized eggs because it's actually quite lucrative to sell fertilized eggs.
1: And then the last thing was size.
0: Size. So once you've got a rooster who is really very nice to you, really, really nice to the hens, you know that they look good. They've got that nice wide girth. You know that they're not related to any of the hens. You know that they're fertile and they're not shooting those blanks. Yes. Yeah. You want the biggest cockerel you can get your hands on.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Size matters. Size matters. Fiona, does
0: the breed standard for Orpingtons have like a minimum weight or an ideal weight? Yeah, so the Orpington Club breed standards are for the males. The minimum weight is four point five kilos, so that's nine point nine pounds. The females are three point six kilos, which is essentially eight pounds.
1: Okay, those are both big, and for a girl,
0: that's a good. That's a good size hen, right there. That is
1: really a good size Mm -hmm. hen. Yes, girl.
0: Yeah, we've only got one Orping, actually, no, we've got two Orpingtons, which are below that minimum. And that's because one was the original Orpington that we bought, and she didn't really come from a a very good breeder. And she's eight years old now. And the other is Frankie, and she's never eaten properly. She is handicapped. Um, she had an accident when she was a chick so that's why she is not the minimum weight it's not her genetics at all it's simply she does not eat enough
1: okay i definitely want to weigh buttercup and bubbles they definitely seem like they are upwards of seven to eight pounds they are big hens they really are they Mm -hmm. really really are both of them they
0: look like they're big from your instagram feed they do look very large
1: i love the videos of yours i love them i love the slow-mo it's the
0: best. Do you like the slow-mo flying? They yeah, are yeah. fantastic, aren't they? Yes.
1: yes. Nothing beats an Orpington in slow-mo. It, it really is the best. It is. Their
0: little faces. and then their- They think they can fly, but if you notice, the flying slow-mo has to be off the top of the ramp to their coop, yes. because otherwise they'd never get any height. they so never get
1: <laughs> Their little wings can't hold that all that body weight the t- like, off. No. <laughs> They're
0: like,
1: no. they like, ah!
0: Bless them.
1: I have to say, the Buff Orpingtons are one of my all-time favorite breeds, which we already know, because in episode two, I do right. do a little gushing on them. A little bit. Just a little.
0: A little. They are so friendly. I have to say, if we didn't have Orpingtons, though, I would have the Brahmas.
1: Yeah, I am in love with my Brahmas. I feel like I will never be without them.
0: My neighbor has some Brahmas, and I just gush over them every single time I see them. Are they the lights, or the
1: buffs, or the darks?
0: They're lemons, <laughs>
1: oh okay
0: they are very very beautiful they've got a lovely mix of white and golden yellow feathers really are really beautiful i
1: have to say though the favorels i mean adorable
0: they oh my i'm goodness. anxious to
1: see how their personalities will end up
0: there the so key. little beards on the yeah, favorels i love
1: beautiful. the little beards So the cockerel himself is very important to this process. The hen is important in all the same ways. Apart from
0: the fertility bit, you're always testing the cockerel fertility. You're never testing the hen's fertility. Right.
1: And it's a good practice to check all of these things because you don't want to overbreed your own stock. And we should put this out there. You have to go outside of your family to get a cockerel because if not, your genetics are going to be
0: way messed up. Yeah, I mean, the laws of genetics don't change for chickens. I know that a lot of people are happy to interbreed for one or two generations, but I'm of an opinion because I'm breeding to sell chickens right? and I don't want to be selling stock, which could be genetically inferior to my buyers. I just don't think that's fair. So I'm going to make sure that the cockerel that I'm breeding from every single year is always unrelated to the hens.
1: So I think that's a good idea for everyone who's thinking about it, just to go through these things. We'll have them all on our show notes right? so that you can be aware of how to pick your cockerel and know that you're doing it at the utmost standards because it's important i mean unless we're talking about a critically rare breed there's no reason why you can't switch up your genetic lines right okay so thank you fiona that was thank so you. informative i love talking to you it's fantastic and now it's so much another, fun i have another chicken that i must have must <laughs> holly's have. got another chicken <laughs> That she's gonna have Well, them. you're going to
0: have to order some more chicks then, aren't you? Or <laughs> I'll have to smuggle some out for my neighbor and try and get them shipped to you somehow. Yes. No,
1: we're coming. We're coming over.
0: <laughs> I think he might notice, though, because he's only got four of them.
1: Oh, gosh. He's oh, like, yeah. what's gone? Oh, no. I'm going to have to get my hands on these. <laughs> okay. Well, take care, and we will see <laughs> you soon, Fiona. Cheers. See you next week. Bye. 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 Thanks, Fiona. As always, it was great. It was wonderful. Okay. So, now today for cracking the Eggs, we have a treat for everybody. We are going to talk to Christina from Baking with Chickens. Mm -hmm. And everyone probably, if you're on Instagram and you know her, you'll probably know her as Baking with Chickens. And Mm -hmm. she also has a YouTube channel. Yeah, with great videos. Great videos. And she makes all these fantastic baking recipes with her own chicken eggs. So she has come up with a recipe for us, Mm -hmm. and we're bringing her on today to explain it. So let's bring you that interview now. Welcome, Christina. Welcome. Hey, chicken ladies.
2: I'm (laughs) so So happy
1: to be here. We're very happy to have you. We are so happy to have you with us today. We have been eating the donuts, too. The donuts are amazing. (laughs) I'm so glad you like them. (laughs) Christina sent us chocolate matcha donuts. All the way from LA. And then chocolate, chocolate donuts with coffee in them and sprinkles and everything good. They were fantastic. Oh my goodness. So good. And with our coffee, you Mm -hmm. don't get any better than that. Come on now. And the best thing about this recipe is it's gluten and dairy free. Yeah, it, it is really fantastic the perfect complement to coffee. So Christina, start us off. Let us know what's the name of
2: what you named the recipe and how we should do it. Yeah, so I made these chocolate mochi donuts. So because Holly requested a dairy-free and gluten-free, I thought mochi donuts would be fun because donuts are perfect with coffee. Yes. And Yes. Yeah, because so I'm like, what would go really well with it? And so mochi is a glutinous, sweet rice flour Mm -hmm. and I used Mochiko, which is, you know, you can get it at any Asian grocery store and it's just basically like a powder, like a rice flour made from sweet rice. But if you can't find a Asian grocery store, Bob's Red Mill has a sweet, white rice flour that you can also use. It's the same oh, thing. Perfect. Um, okay. Yeah. And what's really cool is it gives it a little chewy texture. So typically when you eat like a baked cake donut, it's like soft and puffy right. with the mochi donuts. It's crispy on the outside or it's kind of like hard and crunchy on the outside. And then on the inside, it's like soft and chewy. Mm-hmm. And so there is coffee in this recipe because so I use a little bit of instant coffee powder in with the chocolate donut mm-hmm. because the coffee brings out the chocolate flavor so that's the secret of a lot of chocolate cakes is a little bit just a tiny bit of instant coffee brings out the flavor it and because then coffee makes everything better
1: coffee makes right? everything <laughs> great so these donuts got us through we've been working like it crazy was a day, yeah
2: <laughs> oh man and we were like thank you christina <laughs> you're very welcome. Yeah. And they do have eggs in them. Yeah. Here, I'll tell you. What, like, So what goes into them is it's two cups of mochiko flour, which is, okay. I, I mean, if you don't have it, you can substitute it with regular flour or almond flour would also work or coconut okay. flour. Right. If you're looking for gluten-free brown sugar, I use dark cocoa powder because I just happen to really like dark chocolate because I, I don't like the sweetness and it kind of brings it down a bit. Mm-hmm. Two tablespoons of instant coffee, baking powder to get the rise, salt, and then I used vegan butter. I really like miyokos. It's a really great vegan butter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I I have it in my fridge. Yeah. yeah. Earth Balance is another good one. But like a lot of people said the flavor and texture of Miyoko is really good. And then for the dairy, I use coconut cream and oat milk. So oat milk is a really great dairy substitute because it's, um it doesn't have a strong flavor to it. Right. So it's, it's, and you can kind of change the texture to it. Like if you, it's either like lighter or if you use like the barista style, there's like more milk to it. Right. And then of course, two large eggs, because what's baking without eggs for the lift exactly and the flavor the eggs. and then vanilla and then i put in some rainbow sprinkles because rainbow sprinkles makes everything more fun in the donuts <laughs> okay i am a huge fan of sprinkles <laughs> so and my do- my daughters are both
1: fans of sprinkles so when they ate the donuts of course i can't get donuts in here and not them eat them so they were like oh my god it's rainbow. And I'm like, okay. okay.
2: <laughs> so you do need a donut pan to bake them in, but you can buy them. They're pretty easy to buy on Amazon anywhere. So for the glaze, I did the glaze a bit different because I've done donuts before and I just did melted chocolate. But for this one, I wanted that like chewy, you know, kind of like a black and white cookie. So nice. I used, I used the chocolate glaze from my black and white cookie recipe because I actually don't like black and white cookies. I think they're gross. Really? And I redid the entire recipe <laughs> and I call it my better black and whites and it's made with better ingredients so it tastes better and it's it's involved but it's worth it if you don't like black and whites but like want to like get that flavor so the glaze itself i also did with oat milk powdered sugar agave instead of corn syrup because it's a corn syrup and then melt and then cocoa powder melted chocolate
1: you use such wholesome ingredients (laughs) that you're going to feel good about eating a donut.
2: You it's say that, nice. and yet I also make things like fruity pebble cookies. So, which are I, I'm like, yeah, I'm not over these fruity pebble cookies. But I'm equal I'm not- opportunist. There can be good nuts, ingredients, and good and wholesome. I thought fruity pebbles <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm equal opportunist. There can be good and wholesome ingredients, and then sometimes you just got to go for it. Like it just is what it is, and it's delicious.
1: Yes. Yeah, I was in the grocery store the other day, and Joe, my husband, he was like, are, "Is that fruity pebbles in your cart?" I'm like, "Oh, yes." <laughs> And this was after she had seen your Fruity Pebble cookies. Did
2: you make the cookies? No, I just been eating bowls of Fruity (laughs) Pebbles. You know what else is really good? Fruity Pebbles Rice Krispie Treats. Oh, Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: That sounds amazing. It does. Yeah. And we were not kidding when we told you Christina <laughs> has a very, very creative style. It's this is fantastic. what drew us to her is because yep. we love people who are original and creative. And you are that in a nutshell. And we just love working with you. It's so, so much fun. It's fantastic. So we're going to share Christina's oh, recipe.
2: Wait, plus she kisses her chickens.
1: Oh, oh yes. Right. Yeah. Oh, yes. I
2: I am a new, I am a new, my name is Christina, and I am a chicken kisser. Yeah. <laughs> and hugger too. And hugger. Well, okay, so what was it? A couple years ago, there's all these articles coming out about people getting salmonella and because of their backyard chickens, and people are kissing their chickens, and that's why they get sick. And I remember reading this article, and I was saying, I'm like, don't be dumb, don't kiss your chickens, and you won't get salmonella, duh. And then I'm now the person who kisses our (laughs) chicken. And now you have chickens. It's a slippery slope.
1: Yeah. Um, So So we're going to have this recipe. Yeah, we're going to have the recipe in our show notes. So you can see Christina's amazing gluten and dairy-free donuts. And of course, they can be non-gluten and dairy-free as well. You can make them non. And we're just going to ask her a few questions. We're going to get to the chicken portion of this this party now. Here's the thing. Yeah, the chicken. We usually have retail therapy. We do. But. Because Christina's with us today, we wanted to change it up because this girl's special and she has done something that we would all really be like, yeah, hands up in the air that she did. She rescued a rooster. So today, instead of a retail therapy, we're going to do a rescue spotlight. Yeah. New new song. (laughs) So you guys need a jingle. (laughs) Well, I'm I'm just a jingle and a body. <laughs> we did come up with some questions for you that basically have to do with dude. Holly, why don't you go ahead? Well, our first question was simple. How long have you had your chickens?
2: I have had chickens for four and a half years. Nice. And dude is my first rooster. So when yeah. I I've wanted chickens for a long time, I've, I've really been into like the farm to fork kind of food movement for a long time. I've worked at restaurants and um, having chickens for fresh eggs was something I've always wanted. And I finally moved to a house where I had space to have chickens. So nice. Mr. Baking with Chickens built a coop, we got some chickens, they're rescue chickens. And then At the time, I was like, no, never getting a rooster. We're just having hens just for the eggs. And, you know, my neighbors are going to hate us. No roosters. And then somewhere along the chicken keeping journey, I just started warming up to the idea. On Instagram, I started following more people who had roosters, um, especially lipstick and chickens who always advocates for keeping house roosters. And a lot of people have roosters. And I was like, "Okay, maybe that wouldn't be so bad. And then I ended up rescuing these four chickens this last fall. So my, my kind of my original flock of chickens were starting to age. They're hitting about four years old. They're slowing down from laying eggs. And I knew that I always wanted to kind of like tear and get some more fresh layers. Right. And I don't like to buy chickens or chicks. That's just my preference. Mostly because I don't have the wherewithal to deal with baby chicks and raise them. I don't have, I don't have the space. And I really wanted to make sure that I got hens, like, Pullets and not a rooster. And somehow there were some chickens running around in my neighborhood and I've become the neighborhood chicken catcher here and people text and call me (laughs) and I show up and I catch chickens and then I keep them. Uh, So I'm maxed out. No more.
1: So you your chickens were just kind of like in your neighborhood and you're just like, okay.
2: Yeah. So my four, my four newest chickens were wandering around in the neighborhood and I saw it on like my neighborhood forum and someone's like, whose chickens are these? And it was during a heat wave and it's like over a hundred degrees here in Los Angeles. So it's really dangerous for the chickens and there's coyotes and hawks and raccoons, yeah. mm-hmm. um, but both. The chickens were just or both sets like there's kind of like it, it was three and one. And they kind of came together at the same time and they were just wandering around for a week in the heat wow. wave in the mean streets of L.A. And I came out and tried to catch them, ended up catching them and they happened to be hens. Actually, one of them I didn't know. I wasn't sure. Mm-hmm. I, I saw them and I was like, okay, these are young pullets. I want to keep them. Right. Because the, the, the hard part about rescuing is you never know how old they are. You don't know what you know what comes with this chicken. Right. right. You don't yeah. know um, the 100% history. Exactly. You know, do, are they sick? Do they have diseases? What are they bringing? So that's the challenge. Um, I definitely had to quarantine them. But I caught them. I quarantined them. And I wasn't sure. This one particular chicken, everybody said, this. these two are hens. This one's definitely a root. Because I like playing that game. It's like hen or roo. Yeah, we all do. <laughs> <laughs> and somebody was like, no, that's definitely one. And like, we kind of watch and then we kind of heard something like crowing. And I'm like, no, there's no way. Couldn't be. And we kept playing this game until finally they all started laying eggs. I'm like, okay, are definitely no roosters. But through that experience, the idea of having a rooster kind of started taking root inside. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, like it wouldn't be so bad to have one. And my dream has always been to have a silky. I love silkies. Mm -hmm. I think they're so funny. They're little Muppets and I want one so badly, but because I kind of have this firm rescue chicken situation, it's very difficult to find a rescue silky hen.
1: Because usually people, yeah. And people who are going to get silkies usually are in for the long haul. They're chickens that need additional care. A lot of times they end up house chickens, So, usually you're going to get a person that's not a fly by night person that's going to get a silky. So, it's harder yeah I mean you can imagine there probably could. there are definitely silky roos in the rescues, but yeah. if you're trying to find the hen, it's harder, harder for sure. definitely.
2: yeah. and so that's why I was like, well, what if I got a silky rooster? That would be fun. like that that's possible. There's a right. lot of roosters in the la mm-hmm. shelter system. and you know, and it doesn't mean that it's it's impossible to find the breed of chicken you want when you rescue. you just have to be patient is what yeah. sure. it is. like exactly. very patient yes. to wait and find the one that you want. And so I started just, it was kind of around Christmas time and I was just perusing the adoptabirdnetwork.com always right. lists all of the different um, chickens that are available for adoption. I was checking the LA shelters. I found a bunch of cute silkies and then I saw this hilarious Polish rooster named Dude. <laughs> and I couldn't resist because when you see a Polish rooster named Dude and he's yep. so cute right? and I kind of ignored him for a bit and I was like, oh, I don't know. And I, I wasn't ready to commit. And then he showed up again and he came up for adoption again a month after I first saw him. And so I was like, okay, that's a sign. So we decided to just do it and adopt him. And I picked him up from the shelter two days after Christmas and the shelter, all of his paperwork, everything says he's healthy, he's good, he's ready to adopt, he's fine. But when I got him home, he was so sick. He was just he had been in the shelter for over a month. He was adopted, returned. He'd been beat up, like the feathers half the feathers on his head were ripped out. We've been watching
1: that. I'm sorry to me interrupt you, but we've been watching your story as it's kind of played along. You've kind of put it out on TikTok, on Instagram, and you've done an amazing job. Honestly. Thank
2: you. It was way more than I intended. I I just thought, I'm like, great, I'm going to adopt a rooster. We're going to quarantine him for a month and we'll put him in. It'll be fine. But he was so sick and Mm -hmm. he had respiratory issues. He wasn't eating on his own. I realized he was covered in lice because I was holding him and like giving him medicine. And I felt something crawling on my neck. And I'm like, oh, and then I saw them crawling on his face. And I was like, oh, God, no, (laughs) (laughs) that's super fun. Um, oh my gosh. So yeah. So this poor chick, I mean, roosters have a bad break, especially here in LA. If you live in a neighborhood where you can't have roosters and a lot of people order, especially here in LA, right? You order chicks or pull, and you don't know if they're going right. to be a hen yeah. or a rooster. And then it's hard to rehome. It's not a lot of places, especially here in Los Angeles. Thing, same thing on the East coast.
1: Our shelters are full of roos. Yeah. And that's why we're trying with us to promote like, hey, it's not always a bad thing to have a room. You don't always yeah, have right. to dump the room unless there are restrictions in your neighborhood that, you know, yeah. why you can't. But it's not like all of a sudden you get one and then you're like, oh no, here we go. They can be good boys. Yeah, they can. They get a bad break. And you know, even if you get one with a little attitude, generally if you work with them, you and, can get around and it. And the fact that you're willing to go out there and rescue one, we love that. I mean yes that is like, to me, heroes rescue. And,
2: you know, it's like, Great. And all your chickens are rescues. So that's awesome. And with Dude, it was one of the things where I was like, well, you know, we live in a place where I can have a rooster. There's roosters all over. Like, pe- people in my neighborhood all have chickens. And like I'm in the like, city in L.A. Like it's, oh. it's I mean, I'm fortunate with some space, but there's a lot of roosters. So I was like, well, if I have a rooster, there's others. Nobody knows where the crow is coming from. Exactly. It's going to be fine. <laughs> so uh, I felt that because I can have a rooster, it would be great. That I can give one mm-hmm. a home. So, so we're very end, happy to have Dude.
1: With Dude, how many total chickens do you have? I have
2: eight, including Dude.
1: Okay. Oh, that's a good number. That certainly gives me plenty of fresh eggs.
2: Is he out there now? He's out with the girls? He's with them, but he is separated. So he only gets supervised conjugal visits right now. <laughs> <laughs> He's <laughs> a little bit of a lover. He's a young teenage rooster. I think he, I don't think he's um, a year yet because his spurs haven't grown in and he's very awkward. He does not know how to romance the ladies. It's. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> very and you know so again because he's my first rooster like this is very funny to me all of this is hilarious learning to understand a rooster is so different than hens oh yes. yeah behavior is so different so understanding him uh but i put him in with them and it was it seemed to be good he was really happy but my newer chickens they're pretty mean so it's a good thing i didn't get the silky because they would have eaten him alive they're even they're they're hen pecking poor dude like crazy oh, man. You know, they decided that they needed to give him a hair Haircut, a bloody haircut, no. a la Sweetie Todd, and pulled that. So I put him in, Ew. and the next thing I knew, I saw him, and, like, half his head was bloody again, after his beautiful feathers had just grown back in. Do you have any idea what breeds the new chickens may be? Yes. So the newer chicken that are the younger ones, and they're the ones who are very aggressive and mean. Okay. Um, but not to me, like they're just they're energetic. I think it's lots because they're young. Lots of
1: personalities. Yeah, lots of chickens yeah. are great with people and yeah. chicken bullies, we call them.
2: The ones that are being mean to him are I have two California whites, which oh. is a cross between leghorn and barred rock. It took a while for me to figure this out. They look like a leghorn. They're all white, but they have black specks. I know they're California whites because, like, they look just like a leghorn. Okay. And, like, I look at the picture and that's exactly they're what they hard, are. And, ap- but I and apparently that they're really popular here in California no, no, because okay, they were okay. bred to be excellent egg layers without the flightiness of the leghorn. So oh. they have kind of, like, I forget what. It's like a mix between a leghorn and a California gray, which is all new to me. I was like, what are these crazy chicken breeds? They're cool looking. They're really, yeah. They really are, like they're like freckled yeah they're just like a leghorn with some black specks and they're great egg layers they lay like these creamy pinky white eggs but when i got i mean they're just they're maniacs like they're little food maniacs they're crazy and so like they're kind of like the the head chickens in charge so when dude came in like they like them they don't mind but they're just like oh you have head what is this so he's my only crested chicken this guy's got a (laughs) choupet Yeah, so he's the only crested chicken. And so, what I've learned is a lot of chickens are like, oh, what are you? You look different than me. Let me go investigate. Oh, let they're me gonna, yank out your hair. Right. I'm going to try your delicious they're like, edible
1: toupee. They're like, is that real? Is that real? <laughs> That's a taste to find out if it's real.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> poor, so dude. Poor dude, my goodness. He is the cutest thing. Ever. <laughs> So yeah, but, but even dude, I mean, the hard thing with rescue chickens is you don't know what breed they are. Right. Like it's like it's a big guessing game. So yeah. when I got dude, a lot of people were trying to guess what he is. And so Polish was the most popular. And then a couple people guessed Houdan, which is another yeah. like fancy That's Polish, but he's friendly. not a Houdan because he doesn't have a beard or and he only right. has like however many toes he has. It doesn't is, match. Um,
1: is he The Houdans are modeled. So they have a lot of spots. Does he have a lot of spots?
2: He is. He looks like a splash, but not like a show splash. Like he's gray, white and black.
1: Okay, so it's more subtle. Okay, he is super cute. He's he's ridiculously adorable. And I think Polish are really sweet. And apparently your ladies are just giving him some big attitude.
2: (laughs) He'll figure it out. With all of that, what's your favorite thing about keeping chickens? But my favorite thing about keeping chickens is really seeing their personality and the flock dynamics come out. That was something that was really unexpected for me. As I got them and got to know them, each one has a very special little personality. Mm -hmm. And getting to know their personality has been my favorite part. The personalities come out in our episodes and on my Instagram. Um, Mr. Baking with Chickens does their voices. And they're absolutely hilarious. I was saying something on an episode, on the Rose Raspberry Cake Bar episode, and I sounded like a TV infomercial. And so he edited a clip together of the chickens doing an infomercial for their freeze dried worms. So <laughs> one of the chickens is like, worm cookies. I want worm cookies. Like, try our freeze dried worms. So I promised the chickens I would make them worm cookies, but I haven't gotten around to it yet.
1: They will come and make you keep that promise. <laughs> oh, yeah. Delicious worm cookies. Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh huh. <laughs>
2: What was your inspiration for starting your YouTube channel? The chickens really was the inspiration because I kept the chickens and I was working full time and I was doing all this stuff and I was really busy. And they were even with just three chickens I had at the time, it was still more eggs than we could eat. I took a break from work and suddenly I had all this time to bake. And I was like, well, these chickens lay way more eggs than we can eat. So let's bake with them. And I had always felt growing up that I wasn't a good baker, that I was a better cook than a baker. And tell me if this sounds familiar, I'm a better cook than a baker because I'm not precise. I'm not scientific. I don't (laughs) like to measure. And exactly. And so I tend to bake like I cook. (laughs) <laughs> and I like to just kind of throw things in and not always measure. I'm not very precise. But I enjoy that, right? It's definitely a muscle that I am now exercising. And I'm teaching right. myself to bake a lot more. And I enjoy baking. And I was beating myself up for a long time for not being measured and precise. But this is Now I just have my own style and sometimes I come up with delicious things and sometimes it totally fails and I learned something from it about baking science. But it's so um, much
1: fun and you do such a great job with this YouTube channel. They're fun to watch. It's fun to it's learn. It's a lot of fun.
2: Uh, the eggs. Do you notice a difference with your fresh eggs and your recipes? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The fresh egg, it's just better. It's like, it's like eating an out-of-season tomato. Right. Like an in season, fresh summer, juicy tomato from the farmer's market or one that you grew tastes different than an out of season one that you buy from a grocery store. And it's the same thing with eggs. Like and I buy plenty of grocery store eggs in the winter when they stop laying or if I'm making huge projects, I do buy grocery store eggs, but they do make a difference. Like it's just there's a richness to it that tastes different. Mm -hmm. We call that the walk of shame here at our house. (laughs) (laughs) do you hold them in front of your chickens be like look at what i had to do so you made me
1: go to sometimes we have less eggs around christmas time when we're trying to bake all the cookies for christmas and then we're like girls come on and then i'll send my husband out and he'll say i have to go take this walk of shame like how much money have we spent taking (laughs) care of these chickens yeah and then we have to go buy a dozen eggs for cookies (laughs) come on you gotta give them (laughs) a winter vacation
2: People who have chickens are like, "Oh, this is amazing! You must save so much money on eggs." And I was like, "Oh no, no, no. no. they no. just don't no. know." No. Well, and here in LA, there's a farm called Apricot Farms in Malibu that sells these beautiful farm fresh eggs, but they're like. for a dozen eggs at Erewhon Market or the farmer's market. And you're like, what the heck? But considering the cost of land, feed, chicken, like it makes sense. Like if I were to sell my eggs just to break even and cover my costs, it would have to be $8 a dozen. Or more. Or I have more, to think more. The fifteen thousand yeah. probably. Well, considering into. dude's vet bill was five hundred dollars, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and he doesn't even lay eggs. We're like, you're costing me all this money, and you're not even gonna <laughs> lay it. You know, that's funny.
1: <laughs> The biggest vet bill I ever had for a chicken was also for a rooster. You're like, <laughs> true, uh, yeah. yeah. You're like, what kind of work are you doing? You're having
2: fun out there all day, and then you're
1: costing me hundreds of dollars in a vet bill.
2: But I mean, I think the point is, right, we don't keep them for their eggs. Yes, the eggs are a wonderful benefit. But the way I like to look at it is they're delightful pets that also poop food out of their butts. (laughs) Like, I love my dog. I love my cats. And I spend lots of money on them, on their treats and food and vet bills. But they don't produce food. So technically, the chickens are the most useful out of all of the pets because food and fertilizer comes out of their butts. Holly is no good over here. Yeah. That was
1: the most elegant summing up that I've ever heard.
2: And they food eat all of your kitchen fertilizer. scraps. So they compost, right? Like the cats and the dogs don't compost my leftovers. They don't provide food out of their butts right. or fertilizer. So really, if I had to pick one zombie apocalypse pet, it would totally be the chickens. Oh, sure. Sorry, cats. And like, I love the cats and the dogs, but they're just not as useful. So my parents are kind of like, they're, they'll
1: pre- they're like, they're always prepping for like doomsday stuff. Right. And they actually gave us like this powdered food. This is off the subject, but powdered food that lasts like 25 years. And I'm like, are you kidding me here? I have chickens. And they're like, yes, but everybody's gonna come after you because you have chickens. And I'm like, look, I'll be
2: sleeping in the bed with chickens on my head. So when the pandemic started, I would take walks around the neighborhood and I started mapping like resources around the neighborhood. so like urban foraging so I'd be like okay this house has citrus trees this yeah. house has a pool so i know Inside. i can get water and then also i was like okay where are all the other chickens because if i need to go steal chickens or find roosters to like populate my flock during the zombie apocalypse <laughs> this is where i go so i still have it on my google maps like all around my neighborhood i've like mapped out where all the resources are yes when you think about the fact that if there
1: is, you know, an apocalypse of some sort, you do have a rooster. Yes. I mean, the
2: girls might pick one, but you have one yeah. and he can do the job. He can, yes. So now could have more. That's the number one question. When I say I have a rooster, everyone says, like, oh, are you going to have baby chicks now? And I'm like, no, I don't want baby chicks. But I also said I didn't want a rooster. So who the hell knows? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who knows? Uh, know, but he would make very adorable babies. I'm tempted.
1: When we talked to our friend Fiona who's in England and she does a lot of breeding. She says the number one thing is temperament of a rooster. Yeah. That they that's have That's their to first be, criteria. Yes. Mm-hmm. The, the, he has to be super sweet to the girls and to
2: humans too. And that's their number one thing in picking a rooster. Interesting. He's kind of turned into a bit of a jerk, to be quite honest. When he was very sick, he was so lovable and so cuddly. And he'd climb in my lap and like we'd cuddle and I'd pet him and like very sweet. And then as soon as I put him into the chicken yard with the hens, like he's turned into a total jerk. He attacks my shoe like once a day,
1: natural, that's the hormones and the naturalness of the testosterone coming out. (laughs) Any rooster is going to do that. So if you take him out and he's still sweet to you, that's good
2: yeah he's you know i'm like you know what like this is what he's supposed to do he's just trying to protect his girls like right. he's trying to like assert it's fine nothing he's never hurt me it's okay meanwhile, like i can still grab him but it's just funny because I think, he needs protection from the girls needs, right? yeah <laughs> from like from i the sit the there i have to supervise him and i sit there and i watch him and then if one of the girls tries to yank out his hair i have my little hose and i squirt them with the hose <laughs> so that they're chicken bullies
1: I've been out there with a water bottle because they squirt, say like yeah. when they started to use, use a squirt bottle. Mm. Remember, Holly, I took a picture of myself remember, with a squirt
2: bottle and I said
1: it to you and I'm like, I'm ready with the squirt. Bottle. Bully chickens really, bully chickens can really mess up flock dynamics.
2: Oh, totally. So what's one of your all time favorite recipes? Oh, tough question. Um, I don't know remember- I don't know if I have an all-time favorite. I like to try different things. I I rarely make the same thing twice, even baking and cooking. I will say my favorite resource for baking recipes, honestly, is King Arthur Baking. Their recipes work every single time. My favorite gingerbread cookie during the holidays comes from them. My meringue recipe, because if you've got lots of eggs, you make got lots of egg whites and you have to make meringue. Like I've made more meringue in the last couple of years than I have in my entire life (laughs) because I constantly have all of these eggs and egg whites. And meringue used to be just my Achilles heel. I could not get it right. It would weep. Things would fall apart. It wouldn't rise. And I followed the King Arthur baking meringue recipe and it was perfect.
1: Nice. Nice. Yeah. Do you think maybe having the fresh egg whites has something to do with your success?
2: Possibly, but I have not done a test to to the scientific test to really compare. You know, I've also had fails with meringue using the fresh eggs. I think it's just understanding the science of meringue and Mm -hmm. how it works. You know, temperature, humidity, um, sugar has a big thing to do with it. And if you're not measuring and not doing temperature like I used to, then things will inevitably fail. But now I can get the most beautiful, silky marshmallow meringue. And it's my favorite thing in the whole wide world. sounds fantastic.
1: You've scientifically gotten the the recipe going. Right.
2: I am no longer afraid of meringues, which is a huge accomplishment. What was the biggest
1: inspiration in your life that pushed you towards cooking and baking?
2: Hmm. Can I say my chickens? Is that? Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Of course. That's a a really valid answer with us. I mean. I'm baking for sure. I mean, I've always cooked a lot. You know, my mom always loved food she cooked. I mean, but I feel like that's so a cliche, like my mother. Um, But absolutely. I mean, she we baked a lot when we were kids, but especially baking. I would say the chickens have been a big inspiration because Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be baking this much. And I wouldn't have started baking with chickens and a YouTube channel without all of their eggs because I have to find up creative ways to use up all of these eggs. Right. And, you know, there's only so many scrambled eggs, frittatas and poached eggs that I can eat. And then exactly. it starts getting uninteresting. So a lot of times it's like, okay, I've got eggs. What, what can I make? And I like to work backwards from there. And, you know, they're the best inspiration. And you know what? Even when they stop laying eggs, it's still an inspiration because then I can say, all right, now I don't have any eggs. What are some yeah. vegan egg options? So playing yeah. with flax eggs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So but what I like about it is it's really talking about ingredients and understanding where they come from and appreciating it. Because when you understand, like understanding how much effort it takes for a chicken to lay an egg and then to collect, to nurture that, to get one single egg, I'm less likely to waste it. It's a much more of a precious commodity now. Instead yeah. of just exactly. I don't go to the grocery store, buy an egg, and I'm like, oh, that didn't work. Me throw it away. It's okay. I don't want to waste these. Like I needed to make like a quick cake and I almost bought a cake mix, like a box cake mix. And I looked at it and I was like, okay, oil and three eggs. And I didn't want to use my farm fresh eggs on a box cake mix because <laughs> I, I, I felt I felt like it would be an insult to their eggs. I totally see where you're
1: coming from. You're talking to the two right people right now. I mean, it's it's so true. And once you take care of them and once you get to know them, each one differently, they're Mm -hmm. part of your family and you value everything that they give you. You know, like you said, nobody else gives you breakfast. They give you breakfast, lunch and dinner if you want
2: that and dessert. (laughs) Yeah. For me, anyways, it's just really about appreciating where your food comes from. And chickens are one part of that. And, you know, we talk, people talk a lot about that in the food movement for cooking, but less so for baking, which is what I find interesting, because we don't really think about where ingredients come from when we bake right you just you right. grab some sugar you grab your flour egg whatever and boom it's all in but really appreciating the butter if you've ever tried to make your own butter yes that's a whole other experiment it's pretty, yes. it's pretty easy Sure, and <laughs> in the, i've done it i mean it takes a while but it's really rewarding
1: i did it once it's like the mayonnaise mm-hmm. the mayonnaise is a whole other story <laughs> that was an equipment failure well yeah, we, we have done our own mayonnaise though yeah but just the, there was one time we had a serious batteries issue and it was an equipment problem that's all it was
2: yeah so. hand churning butter not fun if you've got a kitchen aid real easy yeah yeah <laughs> exactly
1: definitely so
2: we have loved talking with you <laughs> yes we I have
1: mean, it has been so much fun we laughed ourselves so late. we want to thank you for coming on sharing your story we want everybody who hears this to go over and follow you and subscribe to you on YouTube because you are so fun and bubbly. I told Holly, and you remind me of me, because I've been accused of being very bubbly also. So I can see it. Yeah, I definitely see it. Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, well, thank
1: your YouTube videos are fantastic. We, love, we love seeing the chickens. We love the voiceovers on Dude. That's always fantastic and hilarious. So, so give this girl a follow on yeah. Instagram and go subscribe to her YouTube channel. You will not be disappointed. Nope. And hopefully you will be hearing her again with some other great recipes that you're bringing us. We definitely love talking with you. So, yeah, thank you so much. And we will
2: look forward to talking to you again soon. You take care. Thank you for having me for all your wonderfully weird baking knowledge, baking science, (laughs) nerdy nerdy chicken and egg facts. I got you. I'm here. Thanks, guys, for having me on. See you later,
1: Christina. (laughs) Bye-bye.
2: Bye. Thank you, Christina, for coming out and talking with
1: us. That was a lot of fun. It was so much fun. Oh my God. We laughed ourselves so silly and her recipes are great. So what are we going to be talking about next week? Next week, we're going to talk about the queen of all chickens. What is the that? The Brahma. That is your queen of all chickens. Yes, definitely. <laughs> we're also going to talk with Fiona about setting up for a broody hen, how to set up your coop and your equipment. That's going to be so good. Fantastic. We're going to do for cracking the eggs, the art of the scrambled egg. Everyone thinks it's so simple, but, you know, there are a lot of little tricks to the trade. Once you start looking at it, it's, it's really interesting. Yeah, the definitely. And then we're going to review eaten hemp bedding. Can't wait. Yeah, good stuff. Okay. So what we should tell everybody to do before we go is... Hug your chickens. Every day. And kiss them too, don't forget. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you'd like to see more of us, please follow us on Instagram at Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help us grow the podcast, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to become a patron of the show so that we can bring you even more high-quality chicken content, please visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. Thanks for listening. <laughs>